0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9.
1: Good evening. this is Sharmila Ganesan and Lee Chwilin. Tonight, we look at the outcome of the Dr Ganja case and what it might indicate about the push to legalise
2: medical marijuana. So first, we're speaking with a lawyer about the legal aspects here and then later we hear from an advocate for the legalising of medical marijuana.
1: Tell us, have you been following this case? Do you think it's paved the way for more open conversations around this topic? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, tweet us at BFM Radio, send us a voice note or WhatsApp at our U mobile number zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. This is Inside Story. is 608... Earlier this week Amiruddin uh, alias Nadarajan Abdullah who's also known as Dr Ganja or Dr G escaped uh, the death penalty after the high court amended the 16 charges against him for trafficking close to 77.5 kg and around 14.7 liters of drugs uh, this was amended to possession um, and therefore he is now um, be, he has now been handed a 9 year jail sentence for uh, 39 charges for various offences and uh, because it starts from when he was imprisoned uh, he has seven years remaining on those charge uh, on that sentence
2: so in her judgment um Judge Julia Ibrahim said that Amiruddin would have definitely known of the existence of the Dangerous Drugs Act since he was a former army captain. Um, that's 22 years of service, actually. Um, but that he was desperate to use the, the marijuana as an alternative treatment for his ailment. She did emphasise that this particular case um, and that n- that nine-year sentence should serve as a warning to, ha- to others who have similar ideas. Now, if you're wondering or if you need a refresher of sorts about the particular set of circumstances for Dr. G, um, as he is sometimes known. According to his daughter, Siti, um, her father was plagued by a series of health issues, so kidney problems, diabetes, heart disease in the late 90s. He was eventually diagnosed with a painful uh, spinal, spinal tumour that caused him to lose a kidney. And that's when he went in search of alternative treatments and he fell down that rabbit hole of medical, medical cannabis, um, on online forums and he came across hemp seed oil decided to try it and following that doctors began seeing remarkable improvements his x-rays showed that his tumours shrank he was experiencing much less pain and because he experienced the benefits firsthand, he began to invite others suffering from cancer and, and other chronic illnesses to his village home in the district of Klang and sold chocolate bars and brownies made with hemp seed oil So this case and 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 Dr Ganja as it were
1: um, has in many ways Ways become the face of an issue uh, that advocates have been pushing for. On the one hand, of course, the um, removal of the death penalty mm. in, in terms of uh, drug cases in general. But on the other hand, also a call for um, conversations, serious conversations to be had about uh, the potential benefits of uh, medical marijuana. Now, wherever you fall on that, um, I think might uh, depend on various factors. But for what it's worth, there has been a fair amount of activism and publicity around this case. So, for instance, in 2020, a documentary was released about um, about this, uh, called Ayaku Dr. G, uh, which was intent on setting uh, the record straight on the... Uh, if, uh, because he had been painted as a criminal by news reports. There have also been organizations that have been championing his cause. Um, and so really, the, today, we are going to try and unpack two things. On the one hand, um, the uh, legal aspects of this case and how it has evolved and the various... Um, the various things involved in it, and later we're also going to hear from an advocate uh, for the legalizing of medical marijuana. We would like to hear from you. Have you been following this case? Do you think it's paved the way for more open conversations around medical marijuana? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred send a voice note or whatsapp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine tweet us at BfM radio. After this, we'll be speaking with a lawyer Raul Lee Baskerin. so keep it here bfm eighty nine point nine Beating Fickle Mindsets, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 6.12. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we're talking about the Dr. Ganja case. He has been, um, he has escaped the death penalty, which he was facing for charges of trafficking um, and uh, instead now has been handed a prison sentence in a larger sense, also uh, sparking, uh, I, I guess, a reopening of the conversation around medical marijuana. Uh, we'd like to hear from you. Have you been following this case? Do you think it's paving the way for more open open conversation around the subject, you can call double seven double three two nine hundred. send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now on the line is lawyer Raul Lee Baskeret Raul, good to have you with us.
3: Thanks for having me.
1: First of all, can you share your thoughts on the outcome of the case?
3: Well, um, I think it's obviously a good decision. Um, however... Um, it does stress uh, the importance of uh, the need to, uh, to to perhaps revamp uh, these current existing laws because the penalties are um, very harsh.
2: So he was initially facing the death penalty. Can you walk us through how the charges were amended and what led to the sentence being reduced to nine years?
3: Sure. Um, yes, initially he was charged with trafficking, which is 39B, you're right. Um, however, the, this question to... Um, to charging with the uh, reduced charge, which is the 39A1 charge, um, is at the discretion of the prosecution. So it is the prosecution who then uh, proposes this new charge to the court. And um, as a result, the court then has a different sentencing uh, leeway. Um, in his case, for that, that particular charge, um, the sentence could range anywhere from upward of five years to life. Uh, so, and, and what he got was uh, nine and a half years, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that also will, uh, would, I mean, the um, the sentence does take into account his uh, his current uh, his previously being on uh, remand uh, at you know for the past six and a half years, and as uh, if he has uh, been, uh, if he has good behavior while he was there, he gets a one third discount of his total sentence, uh, which uh, results in him serving having served that six and a half years already.
1: Now, the case, of course, has been highly publicized. It's taken quite a journey to get here. What stood out to you in terms of the legal and personal challenges involved?
3: Um, In terms of the legal uh, aspect of it, I think the law, in terms of the judge applying the law, was quite a clear-cut case, uh, you see. And, uh, you know, contrary to many popular opinions out there, um, the fact that, uh, the 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 drugs concerned were being used medicinally. Medicinally was not of any um, it does not carry any weight actually in in the law.
2: And as you mentioned, it is very well known that he was consuming marijuana as a form of medical treatment. How crucial was proving this in determining the severity of a sentence?
3: Uh, the severity of the sentence is directly tied to the charge. So, as with a trafficking sentence. Uh, you have the mandatory death penalty. And with the reduced uh, charges of uh, 39A and, and uh, the other charges uh, that, that we can find in the Dangerous Drugs Act, um, those would uh, have their own respective um, range of prison terms, respectively.
1: Does this perhaps give hope to others who have been charged similarly, whether for growing, selling or consuming marijuana for medical use?
3: Um, yeah. so... Insofar as medical, the medical use of, of marijuana is concerned, it is still uh, illegal in the country. And uh, for those who who do want to you know, push for uh, these these kind of policy changes, uh, there are there is actually a coalition of uh, of uh, civil society groups that have come together uh, in hopes of uh, putting forth uh, um, reformed drug laws for Malaysia. And um, I think. Very recently, as well, the government, um, the Home Ministry, as well as the Law Minister and the Deputy Law Minister, they have made uh, quite a number of efforts to engage civil society, civil society, and other stakeholders involved in the process. And I think uh, their moves should be lauded because, at the end of the day, we all are looking for the same thing, which is a, you know, a safer country and a healthier um, populace. So, but it has been proven that the, the current way of going about uh, dealing with the drugs problem. Has not worked. It's quite obvious, you know. Um, the drug use rates have gone up. Um, the, the prisons now are overcrowded, and sixty percent or so of of uh, inmates in prison constitute um, uh, drug offenders. Um, as such, we really need to take a more evidence based approach, um, as and, and look towards look to other countries who have actually implemented uh, such laws and reforms. I think there are good um, thirty countries. Um, over 50 jurisdictions that have actually um, implemented some sort of laws decriminalising drug use.
2: So it was reported a few days ago that a man in Kota Kinabalu was sentenced to life imprisonment for processing and planting a cannabis tree. There weren't details about whether he did so for medical purposes. But I mean, just looking ahead, would this be the most important factor in determining outcomes for cannabis-related drug offences?
3: Again, the best way to look at to to approach this problem would be um, at the policy level. It doesn't matter whether uh, one one may be using cannabis for medicinal purposes right now; it still remains illegal, and um, you know, if 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 caught, you might face uh, the relevant charges. Um, the, with regard to the case in Kuala, uh, Kota Kinabalu, sorry, um, the the sentence for uh, a charge of cultivating cannabis is uh, life imprisonment. In fact, so. That is what he will be facing given uh, his set of charges. I, I mean, that's what he was facing uh, given that charge. But the sentence I be, um, is, is highly disproportionate uh, given uh, that uh, it it, it uh, outweighs the, the punishments for, say, rape, for example.
1: The case, of course, has received uh, so much attention, both on a local and international scale. Have you seen it pave the way for more open discussions around drug policy reform?
3: Oh yes, certainly. Um, like I mentioned, the, the government has been uh, uh, playing a large part in this, even uh, the previous administration directly before this one as well, um, and uh, the current administration is continuing to to engage uh, the relevant stakeholders, and um, it's it, it looks promising uh, as we stand now. Um, we're still early in the process, but um, there are many parties that are putting in the the uh, a lot of work uh, to this end, including. Um, uh, just for example, our coalition consists of uh, legal professionals, healthcare professionals, their counselors, their academics, and other members of uh, civil society. So uh, we hope to be able to contribute our, our end of the, um, the, the uh, argument here to, to put forth an evidence-based approach uh, in terms of uh, policy reform for drugs in Malaysia.
1: And um, do you think that this would also have bearing on the country's move towards decriminalizing minor drug offenses? Offenses,
3: uh, certainly. Um, the decriminalization of uh, possession of small amounts of drugs, and as well as the self administration or consumption of of drugs, um, is part of the entire policy reform um, agenda. Uh, in the sense that uh, it, it's it's nothing uh, new, so to speak, because it has been already successfully implemented in numerous countries uh, around the world so we just need to look towards these countries for uh, as an example and um, and all these countries they they have uh, one thing in common they they implement evidence-based policy approaches um, that are centered around harm reduction and health care.
1: Raul thanks for speaking with us today.
3: Thank you very much for having me.
1: That was lawyer Raoul Lee Baskerin weighing in on the Dr. G case where uh, he has, well, now the death penalty has been um, converted instead into imprisonment. Uh, we will, after this, continue the conversation with an advocate for the legalisation of medical marijuana. But we'd like to hear from you as well. Have you been following this case? Do you think it's paved the way for more open conversation around the subject? You can call us. You can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us. I think we have time for this voice note that's come in. This is from Wai I
4: hope uh, the government can look into the example of Portugal uh, in their combat against uh, uh, drugs. Portugal at one point was the kind of like um, for addicts it was uh, the top in Europe or something along those lines. Um, however, at some point, the lawmakers did some study and they decided to legalize drug uh, use. De- they don't make it a crime to use drugs. And uh, initially, they thought that um, some of the lawmakers and some of the public in Portugal they thought uh, Portugal would get even become even more worse, but. Kind of the opposite happened um, yeah, with uh, Portugal's uh, uh, fight against uh, drug use. So um, perhaps that, that might be a good example to take a look at uh, in terms of um, uh, legalizing uh, marijuana for uh, medical use.
1: Waiming, thank you for that. Um, I believe, actually, uh, Portugal is among the countries that has been pointed towards as a framework that Very we could, often, yes, yeah. that we could look towards. Uh, keep your thoughts coming. Have you been following the Dr. Ganja case? Do you think it's paved the way for more open conversations around medical marijuana? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, Tweet us at BFM Radio, BFM eighty nine point nine. Banish feudal mentality. is 6.37. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we're talking about um, Dr. G as well as the larger issue of medical marijuana. This is because um, there has been an outcome to his case, a long-running case, I might add. Um, and he has escaped the death penalty. He now faces a prison sentence instead for the charges of uh, trafficking. Um, and this, of course, was because he himself um, had used medical marijuana to for his recovery and uh, was a proponent of it and had in fact started selling it to others um, for health reasons. So this opens up now the question of whether um, in Malaysia, are we currently at a place where these conversations can be had uh, in terms of legalizing medical marijuana so we would like to hear from you have you been following this case do you think it's paved the way for more open conversations around medical marijuana you can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or whatsapp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine tweet us at bfm radio and joining us on the line is harish kumar chairman of the malaysia society of awareness which is a group that advocates for the awareness on medical ha- marijuana harish thank you for joining us today
5: Hi, uh, good evening, Shamila. Thank you for uh, having me.
1: Uh, Harish, what were your reactions to the outcome of Amiruddin's case?
5: Well, uh, I was actually quite, uh, I was uh, excited and happy that actually he was released, uh, although it took quite a long time of seven years. But I'm happy that he's finally free right now. And uh, I believe it's a, a good start for uh, the future of uh, legalisation in, in Malaysia.
2: And in a country where really any public discussion around cannabis is still very taboo, what has it been like for you uh, to be an advocate for medical marijuana
5: well it's been a, it's been quite a difficult journey in the beginning because we uh, personally I've started advocating for cannabis since 2015 um so in in the early days in the early years uh, it was actually difficult to uh, try to change the perspective of uh, people or uh, people that people had on cannabis because cannabis was very closely related to uh, dangerous drugs uh, because it's in Schedule One in Malaysia uh, and you no know, it recently in 2020 the World Health Organization suggested that we should remove. Cannabis from Schedule One and place it into a lower schedule so that we can, uh, you know, conduct research on it and use it as medicine. Uh, this is because they have done hundreds of uh, research already all over the world that prove that cannabis is safe and uh, useful as a uh, medication. So uh, I believe now is much more easier to speak about cannabis compared to how it was in a few years back.
1: How significant has Amiruddin or, you know, Dr. Ganja's case been in terms of highlighting the benefits of marijuana, cannabis for medicinal purposes?
5: Okay, so basically uh, patients all over the world has come forward saying that cannabis is able to help them with various uh, medical uh, illnesses like, uh, you know, recovering from cancer, epilepsy Uh, You know, in Dr. Ganja's case, he actually had a surgery which he removed, uh, you know, one of his kidneys. And he was actually recovering from the pain and everything using cannabis. So it's a very good, uh, how to say, pain medication as well. So with millions of people all around the world actually coming forward and saying that uh, cannabis is is useful medi- as a as a medical, uh, as a medicine, you know. So it is definitely obvious that, you know, cannabis does have some potential, some good uses, right? So uh, Dr. Ganja's case, actually, he brought that forward. Although he was a bit, uh, you know, in the beginning, everybody might have thought of him as an extremist who, who was trying to advocate for cannabis. But the truth is, uh, for people who are sick, you know, they have no other options. You know, some of them are facing uh, death, and they have no other options to go to. And when they hear that, you know, cannabis could help them, they try it. But because it's illegal, you know, they get into trouble uh, for using it.
2: And why do you think this particular case captured so much local and international attention?
5: Well, particularly Dr Ganja is, uh, uh, you know, well over his 60s. So he's been, uh, you know, put in jail if, you know... It's, uh, it's not fair for him to be put in jail at his age, uh, you know, and for the reasons of why he was using cannabis, he, he's actually uh, a patient himself, you know, so cannabis, uh, basically when the, the globally, everyone all over the world, cannabis is being legalized, like, uh, you know, recently in uh, 2018, in our neighboring country, Thailand, they have actually legalized cannabis for medical use, and now it's even legal for recreational use, right? So, when, when globally, when changes uh, are happening, when cannabis is being legalized here and there, uh, you know, uh, and uh, at the same time, Malaysia is actually sentencing people to death. At that time, the sentence for carrying more than two hundred grams is uh, a death sentence, right? Even though now they have actually removed the death sentence, it's still uh, is replaced with life in prison, right? So it's still it's a very harsh uh, punishment for something that is very commonly used all over the world right now. So this is what is the main reason why it caught so much of attention, we believe.
1: Now, of course, when it comes to this issue, there is the legal policy aspect. There's also the public perception aspect, right? Because there's a lot of stigma associated with conversations around uh, the use of cannabis or marijuana. When you advocate for the legalizing um, for medicinal use, what sort of resistance do you usually face? How do you address uh, members of the public's concern?
5: Okay, so the main uh, thing that I would like to uh, share here is that cannabis is not something to be feared of. Um, you know, when people speak about cannabis, they always related it related to dangerous drugs. So I would like to uh, give an excerpt here. You see, like in, in Islam, uh, religion Islam, it says that, uh, you know, we bear witness that there's only one God and that uh, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, is the messenger of God. So we, the, word, the key word here is we bear witness. You know, we didn't uh, read about it and then suddenly change our opinion about something, right? So the same thing goes with cannabis, right? So we, as an individual, has been advocating for cannabis for many years. I bear witness that cannabis is safe and it is useful medicine for medical use. And so it is not, uh, you know, compared to alcohol, beer uh, and all of this, it is much more safer as a recreational, uh, you know, recreational drug. Okay, so um, one of the most important uh, aspects in, in Malaysia is to understand that uh, in a religious perspective, in in Islamic, especially in an Islamic perspective, cannabis is not something that is haram. Well, because in the definition, something as haram is something that makes you unable to uh, perform your daily duties you know you can't carry out your daily work and all of that that would be haram but when it comes to cannabis you still are able you're still able to do uh, all of the basic things you have to do in your daily life so it does not affect you and uh, another thing is the stigma that cannabis can be a gateway drug to other drugs so all of this has to be eliminated and uh, you know uh, one of the main things I would like to address is like um, in the last uh, what they call forum, one of the forums that was uh, done with uh, Dato Sri Anwar Ibrahim. I was able to ask him a question uh, in the audience. I asked him uh, what is his opinion about cannabis and whether he's looking forward to, uh, you know, proceed with uh, legalizing, at least uh, decriminalizing. So decriminalizing would be the first step so that people won't be caught for cannabis. And he said that, you know, he's worried that people might uh, end up becoming drug addicts but if you look at the figures right now more than 56 percent of the people in jail are caught for drug addiction right for drug offense and if we can use the and to keep one person in jail it costs 50 ringgit per day so we we are actually using millions of ringgit every month just to keep this 56 percent of drug offense uh, people in jail instead we could be using the money to educate them you know to to try to make them come back to society to show them that you know there's better uses of uh, uh, of their life, right? So cannabis could be something that can help them with their addiction problem. But most of them uh, uh, who are in jail are actually addicted to things like heroin and stuff. So it's a, it's a new approach that we have to educate the public about.
2: So if we look at um, moving forward, because after Thailand legalized medical marijuana, there seem to be efforts to discuss or work towards some kind of framework in Malaysia, but progress has stalled. What can you tell us about this?
5: So uh, basically, Malaysia doesn't need to do much work about creating a new framework of what we we can use, what is used, what is uh, how to say effective for the for the country. because we have a lot of uh, country, neighboring countries, especially like Thailand, you know or we can even look at countries like uh, Uruguay or the United States and learn from them, right? What is the best way to uh, what they call allow the the legalization process? I think the first most important step is decriminalization so that uh, you know people are not arrested anymore especially the youths and then slowly they have to figure out that uh, you know because cannabis itself there's many variety the strains right like for example uh, if you're talking about bananas there's a so uh, there's a pisang mas there's a pisang berangan you know there's many types of bananas and strains so cannabis itself has many strains which contain different levels of tac cbd and other other compounds within the plant right so the most important thing is figuring out the threshold. So what is allowed to be sold over the counter has to be of a very low percentage of TAC, most probably zero point five one percent uh, of level of TAC. So that wouldn't affect the the society, you know, especially children who are uh, who might accidentally uh, eat it because cannabis can be made into drinks, food, chocolate, it can be made into many forms of uh, to be consumed. So, the main thing is understanding the threshold, and then of course, uh, for the higher levels, it should be allowed for medical use or for people who are above the age of twenty-one, just like how cigarettes and alcohol are, are sold in Malaysia. So the framework of how to get all of this done is ready there uh, for us to just copy and paste. So I don't think it should is difficult for Malaysia to make the change. It's just a matter of changing the perspective. Like I said, uh, our Prime Minister earlier voiced out that. He's worried that the younger generation will become drug addicts. But cannabis itself should not be compared to other drugs. I feel that the education needs to be there, uh, you know, to, to show people that cannabis is, is different, is safe and, uh, you know, is uh, useful also for health.
1: Harish, thanks for speaking with us today.
5: All right. Thank you.
1: That was Harish Kumar, Chairman of the Malaysia Society of Awareness. They're a group that advocates for uh, awareness on medical marijuana. Let us know, have you been following the Dr. Ganja case? Do you think it's paved the way for more open conversations around medical marijuana? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp 18 Tweet us at BFM Radio.
3: Bribe-free Malaysia? BFM 89.9, The Business Station.
1: It is 6.53. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we've been talking about... um, Legalizing medical marijuana, uh, where we are at, whether we are even open to that conversation. This, of course, comes on the wake of the uh, outcome of the Dr. Ganja um, case, where he's now facing a prison sentence rather than the initial death penalty. We've been asking you for your thoughts. Have you been following the case? Do you think it's paved the way for more open conversations around medical marijuana? You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us. We do have some thoughts that have
2: come in. So uh, broadly, people in favour. Arvind starting us off saying uh, cannabis for medical purposes should be encouraged and turned into another source of income. This should include ketom. Uh, Zifan meanwhile says with more countries decriminalising cannabis, it's time for us to review the legal system related to its use. Thailand legalised it in 2022 for med medical and recreational use, but then it faced an increase in addiction subsequent to that. So we should learn from other countries on the proper legal framework and legalize it for medical but not recreational use. So I think, um, you know, it's no
1: coincidence, I think, that we're getting so many people saying, look, there are frameworks we can look at, there are examples that we can refer to. Perhaps it is time to at least look at this as something that we could put in place. Uh, we do have a caller on the line. Good evening, sien um, what are your thoughts?
0: Hi. Uh, sorry about my ignorance because this is the first time I hear about Dr. G K. Yeah. But uh, from, a, from the legal perspective of, like, uh, how, to, how to make use of the, let's say, like, uh, legalise it, right? I have some idea of, like, uh, of how to, let's say, for the purchase of a medical use of a marijuana because nowadays we live in the modern technology world, right? Everything is connected. Uh, I mean, we are in the part of the big data. And we every one of us carries a IC with a microchip. So all your data actually are stored. I mean, your personal details are stored in, the, in your IC. So let's say, like, you have a medical need for this marijuana. And then it has to be, like, uh, authorized by the let's say like a government hospital that uh, you can only take this much of medical marijuana per week or per day so uh, you have to use your IC to purchase it from uh, let's say authorized clinics or pharmacies and then you uh, you reduce the chances of people abusing it because everybody you are you've only given a of the portions of this medical marijuana and it can be controlled easily because nobody can, be, can allow to purchase more than they need.
1: Sien-shun, thank you for your thoughts. Um, I, I mean, I, I appreciate that. I think that there's a lot of potential in tech when it comes to solving some of the problems that we have. Um, we have a voice note that's come in as well. This is from Vijay.
4: Hi. Yeah. I mean, as what Mr. Suresh say, the framework is there. The only thing is the in the enforcement, the enforcement whether uh, we using the marijuana in a correct way. You know, even though recreational, but but as you know, Malaysia. I mean, if there become a lack of enforcement, uh, corrupt practice and everything, then it will be like in other foreign country where whether it be a major drug problem from uh, drug trafficking to addiction because there's a loose enforcement and loose uh, control over the usage of marijuana it can be good you know anything that in a in a certain uh, moderate level is good but people tend to take advantage you know and then do illegal business out of it that's that's what it's worrying that's all thank you
1: Vijay, thank you for your thoughts. Now, just to be clear, the conversation currently is not about recreational use. Um, The even our guest earlier was talking about it for
2: medicinal use. Yes, um, and and hence the call earlier also about how it is that we can dispense, right? Mm. Because abroad, where it's been legalized for medical use, it's it's quite it it is there. There are ways to uh, ensure that it's you know prescriptive or that it's dispensed through a dispensary. So there are very specific mechanisms. We also have. Um, let's uh, see. I think we've got a message actually from Yuita, who says, "I think medical marijuana is something we should consider for all the medical benefits. I don't think this encourages society to use more drugs or get into drugs." There's an important question we as medical professionals are required to ask patients in the psychiatric wards regarding suicidal ideation that doesn't increase the incidence of suicide. So we can approach medical marijuana that way. Legalizing it won't increase the rate of usage. People who consume are going to consume anyway.
1: Yuita, I'm glad you sent in your message because I think it is important to hear from people who work with with patients, people who are in the medical profession because um, in the process of talking about legalizing or not and so on, um, the component of how it is we're going to put the system in place, who are the people in involved is also important now we are running out of time uh, but keep your thoughts coming Um, and uh, you can of course call us you can send us a voice note you can whatsapp us you can tweet us keep it here BFM 89.9
0: you have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9 the
5: business station
3: for more stories of the same kind download the BFM app